As Core Church today, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. We're going to be talking about parenting today. And man, what a great song to launch us into the discussion of parenting because we can't be good parents until we receive love from our good Father. And as we are made over in the image of God, we're made over in all relationships in our life, but especially in our parenting relationships. So today we're going to be in Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. It says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Honor your father and mother. Mm, this is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on earth because your father and mother will not kill you. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. God, we just come before you right now. You are the good Father. And we recognize, God, in this moment, our great need for you. Lord, as for those of us that are parents, for those of us that aren't parents, Lord, we need to be made over into your image, Lord, because every relationship in our life that means something to us hinges on that. And so, God, we pray this morning that you would transform us by your word. God, that you would speak deeply into our hearts. And we open up ourselves to you, God. We give you access this morning to our heart, our mind, our behavior. And we ask, God, that you would speak to us boldly and clearly. We pray for the person to our right, to our left, God, and for ourselves, that your name would be glorified in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you give someone a high five before you're seated? Let them know you're glad to see them in the house of God this morning. Well, good morning, Core Church. Um, we are in the middle of our series, Relationship Wreck. And last week, uh, Pastor Brad and Laura uh, spoke about marriage. And um, man, that was just so awesome to see. Um, I, I just honestly, more than anything, love their kind of back and forth with each other. I mean, watching Pastor Brad put his foot in his mouth in front of his wife, in front of all of us so many times, it, it was great. And um, you know, Laura's, I, I didn't say this in the first service because Laura was here, but she's not here this, this service, so I'm going to say it now. Man, I, I'm going to be careful about anything she says around me because if you were here last week, you remember that she said, sometimes I, I trip Brad to slow him down. Do you, anyone remember her saying that? Some of you guys were here and you remember her saying that. Well, this week, um, Pastor Brad found out he had a 1.2 centimeter kidney stone and um, had to have... Um, Surgery. If you've seen it on Facebook, you saw the, the post. Had to have surgery to um, help get that uh, that removed. So they welcomed you know a new uh, new baby into the world, so to speak. And I'm like, man, Laura, you said you you trip him to slow him down. You weren't you weren't kidding. That's uh, that's some serious <laughs> prophetic mojo you got going on there. So just speak good things over me. Speak about the new BMW that's coming to my life or something like that. Don't don't tell me <laughs> that God's going to slow me down because I don't I don't I've like one goal in life. Not to have that happen to me is probably like number one on that list. So, um, so all that to say, I'm, I'm speaking today, and I'm really excited. I decided that I wanted to go ahead and continue to talk about parenting because it's something uh, that is just I'm swimming in that world right now. And we've experienced a lot of growth here at the church, 
And so some of you, um, you know, I just haven't had a chance to really get to know yet and share the story. So a little bit about me and where I'm at. Um, I've been married for uh, over 10 years now, and we have uh, three beautiful children that uh, we've welcomed into the world. I'm going to throw a picture of them up on the screen uh, behind me here. Uh, these are my kiddos. So um, in the middle, we have Olivia. Uh, she is my six-year-old. Man, she is smart and is large and in charge. Um, it is Olivia's world, y'all. We are just living in it. I'm telling you, Olivia runs the show. I've, I've never seen such a born leader in my life. And if, if, I can just, if I can just keep her focused, man, she's going to do great things. And I know if I screw it up, she's going to do really awful things. So she's, she's going to be one of the two. You know, she's either going to be like president or um, something probably not great. So, you know, it's a, but Olivia's got so much potential. She's so smart. Um, Claire, and she's six. Claire's my four-year-old. Um, Claire is just sunshine and unicorns and puppy dogs and rainbows all of the time. I mean, she is just love walking around in a little 40-pound package. Um, Claire is, is just so sweet. Um, it's hard to be mad at Claire because, you know, all kids do dumb things at times. And even when Claire does dumb things, She's so sweet about it. I can't stay mad at her. You know, the, her brother or her sister, man, you know, but, but Claire is just like, oh, all right. I mean, you, you drove the car into a wall, but, you know, it's, you know, it's whatever. It's just like I can't stay mad at Claire. And she's four. And then I have Andrew. Um, if, if you look at that picture, that, that pretty much sums up Andrew. Um, I, don't, I don't have a lot to add to that. I mean... Andrew's almost two, and that's pretty much what he does. So um, he's our, obviously, he's our first boy. He's a trip. Man, you, you parents of boys, I just hat, hat off to you guys because um, it, it is different. Man, it is just every, everything they do is, is, like, I don't know. It, it, he just instinctively knows, like, guns. If he gets a stick, I mean, he's instinctively, I mean, it is just a completely different ball game being a parent of everything smellier with him, I mean, he will just start stinking. Like, he comes out of the bath, and he starts stinking again. I'm like, dude. You just, anyways, so th those, are, those are my, uh, that's my crew right now. And, um, you know, being a parent is, um, it is the most rewarding thing I've ever done. But it is also by far the hardest thing I have ever done. I mean, parenting it, it is just crazy. How difficult. And I knew it was going to be difficult going in. I didn't know. It was, I mean, it is like, it is difficult. You know what I'm saying? And marriage, you know, so my wife and I have been married 10 years. We were about five years in before we had kids. And man, those five years, oh, it was so great. You know, it's just, we didn't have any problem. We didn't fight. I mean, it was just, we, we had a great marriage. And, and we still have a great marriage. But, you know, it's just so easy. You know, it's like before kids, you know, you're married, you're young. It's like, hey, you want to go see a movie? I do want to go see a movie. Let's go see a movie. You know, and it's just like, that's life before kids. And then kids come along, and they change all of that. And if you're not, if you're here today, and you don't have kids, I just, I just want to encourage you, man. Having kids is awesome. Kids are a gift from the Lord. But sometimes you just wish he would have kept the receipt. It's like, you know, God, can I get a gift card in, instead? Or you go to St. Francis, like, hey, what's your return policy on this? You know, do it, can I get a puppy? Or is that, is that possible? Um, you know, and the hardest part about being a parent of young kids, where I'm at now, six, four, and two, where, where I'm at, is I, I know that it's not ever going to get easier. 
And the reason I know this is because I talk to parents of teenagers. And parents of teenagers, every conversation I have with the parent of a teenager goes something like this. Hey, Daniel, how are the kids going? Oh, you know, it's great, but we had this going on. Kids sick, kids, you know, potty train, whatever, whatever it is. And they'll look at me just with this look, this like look in my, you know, because I'm like, you know, if, if I ever in, at all insinuate that it's hard, right? They'll look at me, this look in their eyes, it's like, oh, just, just cherish this time. <laughs> just cherish this. And they'll, they'll all say this, because one day when they're a teenager, and then they'll proceed to tell me some of the drama that's going on in their life as parents of teenagers. And I'll go home and I'll hug my kids. Like, Man, you guys are so awesome. <laughs> Don't ever grow up. So thank you, parents of teenagers, you know, for just giving me that, that carrot on the stick, you know, to look forward to. Uh, you know, it's, it's great. It's really, really lifted me up. So um, here's the deal, though. We all know being a parent is hard. But man, we all love our kids. And we want to be good parents. We want to do the best thing for them. We want to do what's right for them. But it's so hard because kids are born, and guess what? They don't come with an instruction manual. You know, there's, there's no step-by-step -step with kids and, you know, the whole guide to kids' first year, whatever. You know, it's like, man, it is. There is just no instruction. And every kid is different, and every situation is different. And how I handle Olivia is not how I can handle Claire, you know, if I come down on Claire like I have to come down sometimes on Olivia to get her attention, Claire would just melt into like a pile of goo. And I have no idea what to do with the boy. I mean, Lord, you know, he's just his own mess. And so it, it, it's all different, right? And parenting is, is just one of those things. Man, we want to do it right. We want to we wanna do what's best. But it's just, it's hard. And, and, and there's a lot of struggle and there's a lot of, a lot of fight within it. And, and it's even hard, too, because it's not just... Um, just the kids. You know, if we could just focus all our time on the kids, it's one thing. But then we have all this other stuff going on in our life. You know, we have financial stress that we have to worry about and job stress that we have to worry about and spousal and relational stress that we have to worry about. And all those things kind of compound and add on top of how we try to parent. It can make it even harder. You know, at our house, we lovingly refer to that phenomenon as the crushing weight of life. You know, it's just that, that feeling of like, oh my gosh, I can't do anything right now. And it's just everything seems hard and it seems difficult. And I think what can happen sometimes if we're not careful is we can become real passive in our life because it just gets so difficult that we can check out and we can pull back. And it's like we're just observing, it's like we're just sitting down and we're just kind of watching life happen, but we're not being active in it. We're not being uh, proactive in it, but instead we're just reactionary. We just get on the defense, and, and all these things are happening, and we're just kind of taking a step back and letting them unfold in front of us. And there's a real danger in this, parents, because I want you to hear me. When it comes to parenting, love isn't enough. When it comes to parenting, love isn't enough. Here's, here's what I mean by that. And this, this by the way, this, this relational nugget I'm about ready to drop on you it applies to every relationship. So if, if you're not a parent, you've been on Facebook, look back up, re-engage with me here for just a few minutes because I've got something here that, that is good. Um, it's the best relationship advice I got. So here, here's, the, here's the good stuff right here. The reason I say that love isn't enough when you're, when you're a parent is because you judge yourself by your intentions, but you judge others and are judged by your actions. And so you judge yourself by what you intend. 
You love your kids. You intend the best for them. You want what's best for them. You want a, a good life for them. You want to spend time with them. You want to be engaged with them. You want all these things for them. And, and you want, you know, to give your kids, or you love them. You intend really good things. But the truth of the matter is, if we become passive in our parenting for too long, if we become checked out for too long, if we let too long a period of time go by where we're always on the defense and we're never on the offense and we're never doing advancing the ball on our own, we're never doing that kind of pursuit. If we let that go by for too long, it doesn't matter the love that you have in your heart. Your kids will only see your actions. They'll only see what's actually happening inside the home. They'll only see what you're actually doing when you're with them. And in every relationship, that's true. It doesn't matter how much you love your spouse. If your actions don't line up with your intentions, there's going to be a disconnect there. In your friendships, in your work relationships, if your actions don't match your intentions, it doesn't matter how you judge yourself. You're only going to be judged, not by your intent, but by your actions. And so as parents, we have to figure out how we can stop being reactionary in our parenting, how we can stop always just being on defense, how we can just stop letting all of the things in life and all of the, the weight and burden of parenting, whether you're parenting young kids or whether you're parenting older kids or whether you have grown kids, that we're not always just reacting to things and always on defense, but that we can be proactive, that, that we can plan ahead, that we can take steps in order to show our love through our actions, and that our intent would line up with what we wanted to do. So today I want to talk to you about some principles out of the Word of God that are going to help us do this in our parenting and, and even in all the other relationships in our life. And like I said, no matter whether you're in the world I'm in right now where you have young kids or whether you have older kids, I believe these principles are going to apply across the board and you're going to get something out of today. So let's open up our heart, open up our mind, dive in to the Word of God Today, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them, but rather bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Now, the word discipline in this scripture just kind of jumps off the page at us, and not just because I had them underline it for me, but it jumps off the page because that's the word I think we just kind of naturally gravitate toward that word discipline. Now, the thing is, that word discipline doesn't necessarily just mean, you know, clear the belt loops discipline. It's not, to the, it's not just whooping discipline. But what that word means, if you look in the original language and you look at the context, the nuance of that word, it actually means to nurture, to educate, or to train up. So there's a lot more going on in that word of discipline than just punishment. And I think what helps us understand the scriptures, if we look at the scripture in the context of what it was written, see, Paul right here in the beginning of this chapter is actually in the middle of a longer uh, discussion about relationships. If you go back to chapter five, Paul's talking about the relationships that we need to have one with another as believers. He talks about the relationships that we need to have husband to wife. He talks about the relationships we need to have parent to children, and he even talks about the relationship that slaves would have with slave owners because slavery was still uh, ongoing at this time. And so Paul's beginning ready to have this discussion about relationships, and he prefaces that discussion with a very key thought that's going to guide our time here today, and that key thought is found in chapter 5, verse 17. Paul says this, don't act, help me out, don't act. One more time, everybody, don't act. 
but understand what the Lord wants you to do. See, church, we have to understand that if we want relationships to work in our life, if we want to chart a course towards healthy relationships in our life, we cannot do it thoughtlessly. There has to be thought. There has to be intention. There has to be purpose behind the steps we take relationally. That's true in every relationship that Paul was getting ready to talk about. It was true in the relationships we have one with another. It's true in our husband-wife relationships. And it's true in our parenting relationship as well. And that's why Paul uses words like discipline and instruction when he's talking about parents and he's talking to parents. He's not saying, you can't go about this thing just willy-nilly. You can't just hope it works out. You can't just throw it against the wall and see if it sticks. But you have to have purpose. You have to have thought behind it. You have to have some foresight into what you're going to do relationally if you want those relationships to succeed. And so today, what I believe God wants us to focus on is this idea. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I want you to tweet it out or put it on Facebook if you're on, if you're on your phone. God wants to move us from intent to intentional. I've said it again. God wants to move us from intent to intentional. God wants to move us from a place where we're just we hope that it gets better. We hope that we do better. We hope our kids know that we love them. We hope that our kids understand. We hope this, that he wants to move us from intent to intentional, where the things I do are thoughtful. They're on purpose. They have reason and structure and rhythm behind them. There's a purpose and a plan for what I'm doing. That I, It's not just my intent to love my kids, but that my actions line up with it, that I have an intentional style of parenting today. See, Paul used that word discipline and talked about training. You would never train for a marathon haphazardly. You know, you would never just show up and hope I could run 20, you know, run 26 miles. I remember when I was um, just out of high school, my first job, I worked at a bank. Um, there was a girl that I liked at the bank and she went to ORU and part of ORU's deal is that you have like this fitness requirement that you have to do. So you have to run like this, I think it's like five mile or something like that, just Thing, you know, to, to graduate. And she needed someone to help her run. And so she asked me, hey, would you help me run? Can you run five miles? I was like, of course I can run five miles. <laughs> five miles all day, girl. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't really talk like that. Um, but <laughs> so we get, we get to the deal. Man, I think I got a mile and a half in. I was, I was like, I was dying, you know. It's just like throwing, because I, I didn't train for it. You know, you can't, just, you can't just show up and hope that it's going to work out. But training requires purpose. It's, you know, if you're running a marathon, it's how you eat. It's how, you, you know, I can run this far. So what's my plan for running a little further and a little further? Training, purpose, intentionality. God wants to move us from intent to intentional. And so we're going to look at a few ways that we can do that today. It's not an exhaustive list by any stretch of the imagination. But I believe these principles hold true regardless of where you're at in your parenting journey and can also cross-apply to many other relationships in your life. So even if you're not a parent here today, maybe your kids are out of the house, that there's still something here for you today. So let's dive in to some of the things God wants us to be intentional about. The first one is this, that we have intentional presence. Intentional presence. The scripture says, rather, bring them up in the discipline and instruction. This idea of bring them up, this phrase, literally means to, to nourish or to cherish like you would a flower that you're trying to, 
to have grow, that, that you spend time and energy with it. And, you know, you're watering it. And you're, you're, you're saying, good morning. You know, you're, you're, you're supposed to talk to the flower. You know, you're spo- you, you have to be intentional about the, the time you spend nourishing and cherishing this flower to help it grow. And Paul's using the exact same kind of thought when he's talking about our parenting, that we have to, to nourish and cherish our children. And, and I think this relates to the, the time that we spend with them. Am I intentional with the time? Am I present with my children? Am I really nourishing and cherishing them, or am I distracted? So church, the question I would ask you today is, when you're with your kids, are you with your kids? Are you with them? Are you distracted? Are you on your phone? Are you thinking about work? Are you thinking about the things you have to get at the grocery store? Are you thinking about that bill that is coming up? Are you blocking that aside? And when you're with them, are you with them? So um, real talk here. I sat in the chair, so it's real talk time. Um, when, when I come home from a, from a day, th- this is something that, that I, I struggle with because it's so easy to, to pull out the phone and, and to check out and, and to look at all these other things and kids are playing and maybe they're clamoring for my attention or, or if I have them on the, you know, if, if we're on the weekend and... Um, they're playing in the morning, want me to play, and I'm on my phone, I'm distracted, or whatever it is, and they can, they can go by. And you can feel that they're trying to get your attention, but you know you're distracted, and you're just not with them. And so it can be hard to not check out, because parents, I mean, I got young kids, I understand, we're tired, we need a mental break. You know, we can't stay engaged with them all the time, but are we letting long periods of time go where we're not being intentional with the presence that we have with the kids? And God's really been convicting me about this lately, because I do not want Olivia, Claire, and Andrew's memory of their early childhood with me to be this. I, I don't want that. And so God's, God's been convicting me about, about how much time I'm spending on this, and especially how much time I'm spending on this around the people that I love. And, and so because of that, um, what's going on in the Surratt household is um, we're taking the flip phone challenge for Lent. Uh, for those of you who don't know what Lent is, Lent is the season in the church where we prepare for Easter. And it's traditional. It's been something the church has done for hundreds of years. And typically what happens during Lent is you, you give something up. You fast, you give something up uh, in order to prepare your heart for the celebration of Easter. And so this year, my wife and I both, we are putting the iPhones in a drawer for 40 days for Lent, and we're getting flip phones, burner phones, and... Um, we're going to do that. That's going to be hard. I'm not going to lie. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard for the kids because they love playing on the phone. It's going to be hard when we go to a restaurant because we no longer have a digital babysitter. But there's something about the intentionality there because I don't know about you, but, but sometimes at the end of the day, I will, I will think, okay, I'm just going to spend five minutes on my phone and I'll look up and it's an hour later or it's 30 minutes later. And then it's time to go to bed and I haven't spent any time talking to my wife about my day. Instead, I've spent all my time engaged on this. Intentional presence. When we're with them, are we really with them? And so we're doing the flip phone thing. I'm really excited about the flip phone thing, by the way, because I, I figure when Lent's over, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to like a really crowded like restaurant or coffee shop or something like that, and I'm just going to yell under the phone like, the money better be there or we're in serious trouble. And like hang up the phone, like drop it in a trash can and like walk out. I just think that'd be so cool. Getting my 2001 Mazda minivan and peel out of that bad boy. Just... 
blacklist happening up in here, you know? Um, so a couple of things to help you with uh, being intentional uh, in your presence with your kids. Carve out a time. Carve out a time, a space where they know they have your undivided attention. Create that rhythm in your life. I've started doing this in my life with uh, date time with the kids. And uh, there, there just needs to be time where they know you're not distracted, where they know that you're fully focused with them, where they have your ear, where they have your attention. And, and that's just so healthy. So carve out a time in your life, put it on your calendar, create it in the schedule where you spend time with your kids and they know that they have your undivided attention. The other thing um, that we want to be intentional about in our intentional presence is the intentionality with our words. What are the words that I'm speaking over them? What are the words that I'm speaking when I'm around them that I don't think they're listening to, but they're absolutely listening to? Um, so a few nights ago, I was putting Olivia in bed, and um, I just thought, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be super intentional about what I'm, what I'm going to say. So I said to Olivia before um, I, I put her in bed, I was like, hey, honey, I just want you to know I'm proud of you, and I love you. You're, you're just a great kid. I was like, you know, it's good. And, and I feel, and so she says, well, I don't feel like a good kid sometimes. I'm like, well, why would you say that, honey? And then she said, well, sometimes I just don't feel like I do a good job of being me. And then it dawned on me, and I said, Olivia, honey, if I haven't told you enough that I love you and that I'm proud of you and that you're a good kid, that, that I'm sorry, that's my fault because I love you and I'm proud of you and you're a good kid. But if I'm not intentional with those words that I'm speaking, then even my, my intent of her knowing that can get lost by the actions. So what are you speaking into your kid's life? What are you speaking over their life? Are you speaking words of life into them? Are you speaking words of life into their love language? They love to play. If they, are you speaking those words of life? Are you doing those things that fill their love bank? Because you have to be intentional about it because if not, weeks can go by and you haven't poured into your kids and there's a drift that will happen that you'll wake up and go, how did this happen? It's because little by little, I wasn't intentional and drift started to happen. Second thing we're going to be intentional about is intentional punishment, discipline. I heard a yeah. That was, that was. Um, so the Bible is really clear on the relationship between discipline and parenting. If you do a topical search uh, in your Bible for the parenting, man, discipline will just, it just comes up all over the place. You know, we just got done singing that song, Good, Good Father. Well, Hebrews 12.6, the author says, the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. And that doesn't, I mean, you know, it's hard to jive with that song, Good, Good Father. You're a good, good father. You punish me. You punish me. You know, it's just, it's kind of hard for us to get our mind wrapped around that. But, but, but discipline is a, it's just a huge part of parenting. It just, it just is. And if we're not intentional, even with our discipline, the way we punish, things can drift on us. So I want to share a couple of keys that, that have worked for us and, and that we're working on and through in our parenting, and I think they'll be of some benefit to you. Um, we need to have consistent boundaries with our punishment. And simply put, consistent boundaries means that we say what we mean, and we mean what we say. That there's follow-through to the words, that there's follow-through to the guidelines and the boundaries that we establish for our children. Because it's our job as parents to establish boundaries, and it's our children's job as children to make sure those boundaries are firm and to push on those boundaries, and to see if those boundaries actually mean something. Because 
You can establish boundaries, but if they push enough and those boundaries don't hold, then they know they can get away with that. And they know that boundary wasn't really important. In fact, I would go so far to say that consistent boundaries establish behavioral expectations so that the boundaries you're consistent on will establish the behavior your children expect, know, know what's expected out of them. So it's so important for us to have those consistent boundaries. And that, so when the children are young, the boundaries are real narrow. But as the children grow, the boundaries expand as well. But I would tell you, parents of teens, you still need to have those boundaries because you can go ask my wife. She will say, so she had no boundaries as a teenager. She could do, I mean, she could do whatever she wanted. And to this day, it still scars her because she says, I never knew if I was loved as a teenager because I never was told no. I never had a boundary. And because of that, I didn't, I didn't know I was loved. I didn't know I had value because there was no boundaries in my life. So I just want to encourage you, fight for them. Even though it's hard, fight for them because the boundaries will determine what you've established. And then later down the road, that's going to reap fruit as your kids get older and they have kids and you know the, the wisdom that you gain from perspective and experience takes over. So fight for those boundaries. The second one, uh, key just for uh, discipline and punishment, uh, discipline before you get angry. Um, so I, this is something I struggle with a lot. Is so Let's say this is angry, right? And my kids are doing crazy stuff, crazy stuff, and then I'll let them push me all the way to angry before I do something about it. So the key there is to, while they're driving me crazy, to do something here before I hit angry. Because if I hit angry, I'm going to say or do something I probably will regret. I'm probably going to be a little off the handle. But every time, and I haven't always done this, but every time I've done this where I've disciplined before I got angry, man, I feel really good about the punishment I hand out because I did it with a level head. And so sometimes there's not a lot of time between crazy and angry. So what you need to do then is wait till angry has left. Maybe you need to give yourself a timeout. You know what I'm saying? And that's okay because you always will feel better about punishment you handed out while your head was clear than one you did in the heat of the moment because that punishment that's in the heat of the moment, we know oftentimes comes um, with other things that we're not really happy that are in that situation. So discipline before you get angry and explain at an appropriate level. Um, when kids are younger, sometimes you do something just because I told you not to do it. But as they get older, there's more explanation that has. We begin to fold them in to that process. We don't want to be authoritarians forever. And we want to begin to have that relationship where they can see the thought behind it. But man, you don't want to over-explain to a four-year-old either. You know, because four-year-old, you just do it because I... But you know, you know what I'm saying? So explain at an age-appropriate level why you have the boundaries, why you're doing what you do. So we have intentional uh, presence. We have intentional punishment. Finally, uh, we're going to talk about intentional preparation, instruction. Uh, raise your kids in the discipline and instruction. This is the instruction part. So are you preparing your kids for life? Are you, are you preparing them for life? I lost my father when I was 14. And now as an adult, I look back, I would have given anything for him to be able to have poured into me certain things about life, like, like money, like how money works and how to manage your money and you know, what credit cards are really about. And I didn't have that. So I'm still paying for Red Lobster dinners from when I'm like 19. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> because I had no idea. You know, it's like, oh, wait, so this little piece of plastic means I can spend money I don't have and pay it back later. I like this. But then, you know, later rolls around and you still have no money, but now you have a giant credit. You, you know, I didn't have him to pour into my life to explain things 
to me. And man, I just, I just wish I would have had that. So the youth are getting ready to do a, a series on sex. And so as part of that, uh, they've been submitting questions in that they want answered. And I want to tell you, parents, that as Pastor Eric was kind of showing me some of these questions, it's very clear to me that there are middle schoolers and high schoolers within our church that have no idea how babies are made. Are we, are we intentionally preparing our kids for life? Are we intentional about the conversations that we're going to have with them? Are we intentional about the things that we want to teach them about life, sex, money, love, relationships, faith? Are we intentional about those things? Or are we just hoping they kind of figure it out? Ah, he's a good kid. He'll figure it out. Let me tell you something. If they don't hear it from us, they're going to hear it from somewhere else. And wherever that somewhere else is, is not going to be as good as hearing it from you. Because you have no control or no influence over somewhere else. Somewhere else is completely out of your hands. So don't let it be somewhere else. Don't leave it up to them, but be intentional about your preparation. And part of that is, is even in how you model that. Are you bringing your kids into teachable moments? Do they see you wrestling with these things? And how are you handling that? Are you modeling Christ? to them as well. We have to be intentional about how we're preparing our kids for life. We cannot hope that they just figure it out. We have to be intentional about it. So we're talking about intentional presence, intentional punishment, and intentional preparation. And the truth of the matter is, no matter how much we want to do that, no matter how good we try to be at that, there's going to be so many times we fall short. And Paul acknowledges this, I think, as he puts a twisty tie on this conversation of relationships at the end of chapter 6, he says this, A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Church, we have to recognize that our strength as parents does not come from us. It does not come from trying to do these principles or trying to do the right thing. Our strength as parents and our strength in any relationship that's important comes from relying on the Lord. And I can feel it in my life when I try to rely on my own strength too long on my parenting because my, my patience tank goes like this, psh, you know? My, my ability to stay cool, psh, my ability to get angry quick, you know, all those things because I'm trying to do it in myself. But when I rely on the Lord, when I rest in his power, when I stay filled with him, when I prioritize him, when I'm intentional about the most important relationship, all the other relationships in my life start to make sense and start to unfold in a way that's good and that's right and that's full of love and full of peace. And that doesn't mean I'm perfect, but I can feel it when I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might because he gives me the ability to be in right relationship with him and right relationship with those in my life that I love. So today I want us just to examine our own hearts. What are the areas that I need to be more intentional about? God, where do I need to move from intent? I, I want to do this. I wanna, where do I need to move from intent and take steps to intentional? That I'm not just going to hope they turn out okay. That I'm not just going to hope that it gets better. That I'm not just going to hope that my kid loves me. Hope's a lousy strategy, guys. But where can we be intent? Where, I need to block out time to spend with my kids. I need to be more intentional about how I punish them. What are, I need to get on the same page with my spouse with how we, how we discipline. I need to spend, how am I going to raise them up? How am I going to have conversations with them about the things that are important, the values that are important to me as a Christ follower? How am I going to talk to them about God? How am I going to talk to them about love and sex and money and all of these things? 
because I cannot just hope that they figure it out. I have to be intentional about it. And I know that with God's help and with the help of his Holy Spirit, that he wants to fill us here in this place to be intentional parents, to walk out of this place not just hoping that things turn out, but proactively and actively taking steps, that I'm not going to spend all of my time on the defense, that I'm not going to spend all of my time just reacting to problems and putting out fires, but I'm going to grab the bull by the horns. I'm going to be an intentional parent. And that's the kind of person that's going to raise children that are going to change and impact the world for Jesus.